Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, October 11th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to poetsandmuses.com and our SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. With us today is Isabel Del Rio, with whom I will be discussing her poem, Mi Ciudad, or My City, and my poem, This is Not an Ode. Before we turn to that, however, I'm going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of October 12th. On Monday, October 12th, from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Arizona time, Indigenous Peoples Day Arizona will be hosting a day of celebrations that include a musical and spoken word segment from 4 to 7 p.m. featuring Cyperitual, One-Way Sky, the poet Tate Walker, Tony the Swordsman, Dio Gande, and Choti Ma. You can find out more information and register at ipdaz.org. Again, that's ipdaz.org. From 6 p.m. Arizona time, Christy White and the Arizona State Poetry Society will be hosting their Mustang Poets Open Reading and Discussion. You can find out more information and register by emailing azpoetryorg at gmail.com. Again, that's azpoetryorg at gmail.com. From 8 p.m. Central Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his Poets Playground Open Mic via Instagram Live, and that's at poets underscore playground underscore. Again, that's at poets underscore playground underscore. From 8 to 11 p.m. Mountain Time, Barbed Wire Open Mic Series will be hosting their Primary Voices, First Nation Voices, Decolonize Your Poetry, featuring Yolanda Matias Garcia and Tyrone Ross Thompson. You can find out more information and register at bwoms.com. Again, that's bwoms.com. On Tuesday, October 13th, from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Urban Word NYC will be hosting their first draft open mic for those between the ages of 13 and 23. This is a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. Again, that's urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Arizona time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting their Speak Poet via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. Again, that's at Arizona Masters of Poetry. On Wednesday, October 14th from 8.30 p.m. Beirut time, Sidewalk Beirut will be hosting their online open mic. You can find out more information by going to their Instagram at Sidewalk underscore Beirut. 
Again, that's at Sidewalk underscore Beirut. From 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Nuijinan TV will be hosting Nuijinan Scott Talon, which showcases indigenous youths between 13 and 25. You can find out more information and RSVP by going to their Instagram at Nuijinan TV. That's N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V. Again, that's at N-W-E-J-I-N-A-N-T-V. From 8 p.m. Eastern Time, a poet named Superman will be hosting his release therapy open mic via Instagram Live at a poet named Superman. Again, that's at a poet named Superman. From 7.15 p.m. Central Time, Luya Poetry will be hosting their monthly open mic with a theme of Witching Hour. You can find out more information and register on Instagram at Luya Poetry. Again, that's at Luya Poetry. Luya is spelled L-U-Y-A. On Thursday, October 15th, from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Perth, Australia time, Make Magic Happen Press and Kelly Van Nelson will be hosting their monthly open mic night. You can find out more information and register at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 620-403-122-244-440. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 620 403 one two 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 four 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 zero. From six to seven p.m. Eastern Time, Kundiman will be hosting their Asian American Literature Today event featuring Monique Trong and Rick Barrot. You can find out more information and register at kundiman.org forward slash full hyphen calendar. Again, that's kundiman.org forward slash full hyphen calendar. Kundiman is spelled K-U-N-D-I-M-A-N. Again, that's K-U-N-D-I-M-A-N. From 6.30 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, the Center for Book Arts will be hosting their Fall 2020 Broadside Reading Series 1 with Sion D. Henry Smith and Jimena Lucero. You can find out more information and register at centerforbookarts.org forward slash events. Again, that's centerforbookarts.org forward slash events. From 7 to 8 p.m. Arizona time, Phonetic Spit will be hosting their weekly open mic via Instagram Live at Phonetic Spit. That's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. Again, that's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. From 7.30 to 9 p.m. Arizona time, District 4 Poetry will be hosting their monthly open mic with our past poet guest Dave Ayala taking over as the new MC. You can find out more information and register at facebook.com forward slash district 4 poetry. Again, that's facebook.com four slash district four poetry. Four is the number of four. On Friday, October 16th from 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 
Marquise 10,000 Burton will be hosting his live poetry freestyling via Instagram Live at 10,000 Poetry. Again, that's at 10,000 Poetry. On Saturday, October 17th from 9.30 to 12 p.m. Arizona time, East Valley Poets will be hosting their poetry discussion and mini-workshop. You can find out more information and register by emailing evpoets at yahoo.com. Again, that's evpoets at yahoo.com. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, New Women's Space will be hosting their open mic night, and you can find out more information and register at newwomenspace.com forward slash events. Again, that's newwomenspace.com forward slash events. From 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Urban Beat will be hosting their open mic hosted by, among others, our past poet guest, El David, this time featuring Billy Tuggle. You can find out more information by visiting Instagram at El David E-K. That's E-L-D-A-V-I-D-E-K. Again, that's E-L-D-A-V-I-D-E-K. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Arizona time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting their Speak Poets Saturday on Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. From 6 to 8.30 p.m. Arizona time, Equality Arizona will be hosting their Queer Poetry Salon featuring Faye Hernandez and Nicole Goodwin. You can find out more information and register by going to equalityarizona.org. Again, that's equalityarizona.org. On Sunday, October 18th, from 5 to 7 p.m. British Summertime, Poetry LGBT will be hosting their open mic. And you can find out more information and register at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 136-117-683-407-5093. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 136-117-683-407-5093. From 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Pure Ink Poetry, directed by our past poet guest Brandon Williamson, will be hosting their video slam. You can find out more information and register at pureinkpoetry.com. Again, that's pureinkpoetry.com. From 9 to 11 p.m. Morocco time, Moroccan poets will be hosting their open mic via Instagram Live at Moroccan Poets. Again, that's at Moroccan Poets. From 8 p.m. Eastern time, Lost in the Letters will be hosting their Letters Festival closing night virtual reading with readings from our past poet guests Tanner Menard, Helene Nasha D. Sibley, Gina Myers, and Susan Steinberg. You can find out more information and register for that at lostintheletters.org forward slash letters hyphen festival. Again, that's lostintheletters.org forward slash letters hyphen festival. And now let us welcome our poet guest of the week, Isabel Del Rio. Hi, Isabel. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hi, Imogen. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. 
Yes, thank you. You brought with you the poem, Mi Ciudad, or My City. Before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a writer of fiction and a poet. I was born in Madrid many years ago, but I've lived in London most of my life. I write in both English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. I publish fiction and poetry in both languages, mm-hmm. and my preferred genres are fantasy, sci-fi, noir, and dystopia. My second profession, I've done the, these two professions in, in parallel, my, or my main profession until a few years ago was working as a linguist. I worked extensively in various language-related fields, translation, literary, documentary, technical translation, terminology, journalism and broadcasting, tutoring. And um, I've published quite a few books, La Duda, which was shortlisted for two literary awards in Spain, Mm. and Zero Negative, Zero Negativo, which was a bilingual book. On the subject of bloodshed, um, that was published in Spain. Mm. Then I have various other books that I've published with my own imprint, which is Friends of Alice Publishing, Paradise and Hell, a collection of short stories, Mm. Una Muerte Incidental, another collection of short stories. I've just published the second edition of my novel El Tiempo Que Falta Mm. on dystopian times, which (laughs) comes in very handy at present, sadly. And then poetry includes a book in English called Madrid, 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 Mm. on the 80th anniversary of the Spanish Civil War, Mm. which was last year, of the end of the Spanish Civil War. Again, very Uh, kindly. Punto de Fuga, which includes the poem that I'm going to read now. Mm. And my latest is Dolorem Ipsum, Mm. and that's dedicated to the victims of the 2020 pandemic. And I take part in performance poetry events, various spoken word events, Mm. and literary meetings and so on. I've got a website, which is www.isabeldelrio.com. So that's basically me, in a nutshell, more or less. Thank you. Thank you. It seems from your publications that you have a knack for good timing, because... 2020, the dystopian novel as well as the one on the Spanish Civil War seem both to be just absolutely came out the the right time given what was going on in Spain at the time last year. Uh, Well, the novel El Tiempo Que Falta, the the missing time or the time that we still have to wait for something to happen. It's difficult to translate, and and I'm a professional translator. That wasn't written last year. It's taken me 20 years to write that book, and it's been repeatedly rejected, Mm. and I published it two years ago, and I've now launched the second edition. Mm. So it's, it's quite old. However, it's completely pertinent and relevant to what what we're going through now. Mm. And Dolorem Ipsum, which is the latest book that I've published, Mm -hmm. dedicated to the victims of the 2020 pandemic. This began at the beginning of the year. It began as a book on the plight of women, our plight, from many different angles. And as I was writing it, the pandemic evolved. And I thought, wow, this is not only about the plight of women, it's it's the plight of victims from everywhere. And so I expanded it and I published it. And you have links to those, yeah? Or is it, are they all on your website? Yes, they're all on Amazon. And if you want to find out more about the books, you can go to my website, 
uh, as I said, www.isabeldelrio.com. All the books are listed there and you've got the links to where you can buy them. And you've got a little blurb telling you what, what they're about. Yeah. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. I was wondering, how did you come to poetry writing? With writing, the moment I started writing as a, as a very young person, as a child, and I was quite a good artist at, at that sort of age, I started doing little illustrated stories, tiny little stories. I must have been six or something like that, mm. with a drawing, mm. a little story that I made up and a drawing. That's, it all started then. When I could write, I thought, well, why not use this to tell my stories? Right. And if I, when I started drawing, I thought, well, why can't I do my own thing? I've always been a person who's done her own thing, so right. I started early. And since then, I've been writing. I think it was consolidated in my teens. My mother was very sick, and sadly, she later died, and I wrote this very long poem mm. about this. It just went on from there. At university, I founded a, a, a poetry group, and I've always been involved in poetry groups. Right. I'm involved in the in the, all the various poetry groups in London. The, the poetry scene is very strong here. Wonderful. Both in, in, in English and in Spanish as well. The Spanish, or I should say the Latin American contingent of, of writers is, is fantastic here. There are some amazing poets and writers, and I'm friends with them, and we organize events and readings, performance events and so on, So, and we publish as well. Wonderful. So it's been like my friend yeah. all along the way, you know, poetry. Yeah. At the same time, I started with poetry, but then I moved on to short stories and then longer fiction, like like novels. Mm. I can't think of life without writing. Right. You take away writing and, and, that's, and that's the end, I suppose. As it's probably the same for, for every, every writer. It's, it's a profession. It's more than a profession. It's a vocation. Mm, yeah. uh, it's total dedication. Yeah. With body and soul, basically, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like in some ways you don't choose the genre, but the genre chooses you. That's a great observation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, it's the way you see the world. I'm unfortunately, um, I'm, or fortunately perhaps, I'm a catastrophist because of certain things that happened at a very young age mm. in my life. I tend to catastrophize. And that is extraordinarily useful for writing stories, yes. you know, extraordinarily dramatic stories. So did I choose it? Well, I didn't choose to suffer catastrophe initially, but right. in Spanish, there's a saying that goes, uh, hacer de tripas corazón, mm. to make a heart out of a piece of tripe, mm. which is not a very pleasant thing. Mm. And so what happens to you, you just use it. And perhaps it can help someone else who's going through the same thing or or who might need soothing of some sort. Right. So, but I, I agree that it, sometimes you are chosen for the role, <laughs> for, yeah. a specific, for a specific book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you might have a knack for dramatic writing in terms of plays and screenplays uh, as well. Yeah, well, um, some people have said that some of my stories are just like screenplays that I write like a camera moving along a scene or mm. along a landscape. I mean, the book, uh, Zero Negative, Zero Negativo, was, it's very dramatic. It, it's, it, it talks about the bloodshed in its many forms. Obviously, it's against bloodshed in its many forms. And, and there are stories about war, torture, murder. Mm. It's an indictment, basically, against, against bloodshed. 
Mm. And they're all extraordinarily dramatic. Some people have said that they couldn't finish it. <laughs> well, I, it's not done on purpose. I, I just think the story requires a certain treatment without becoming gory or horrid. You know, mm. it's just that these things have to be talked about and right. mentioned so that they stop happening. That's right. my view. Yeah. I wonder if you mind reading your poem, Misioda, for us now, and then we can talk about it. This is from my book called Punto de Fuga, which I published last year. It's on perspective. It's The translation is vanishing point, and it's on perspective. There are three types of perspective, uh, the one-point perspective, the two, and the three. Mm-hmm. Frontal perspective, oblique, and aerial perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's dedicated to New York. I lived in New York for a number of months. Mm-hmm. I, I used to work for a UN agency in London, and I took a sabbatical and went to work for the UN hub, the UNHQ in New York. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love New York. I've been there several times. Mm-hmm. It's my city. <laughs> and that's why the poem is called My City. But at the same time, perhaps you cannot find salvation there sometimes. Not yeah. always, but sometimes. And this is what this poem is about. Mi ciudad. Esta ciudad que me vio crecer de lejos también creció dentro de mí en paralelo como sus calles atravesándome toda de punta a punta, de un gris deslucido al igual que la piedra de sus despóticos edificios, pero también brillante y azul como sus buzones de correos. Esta ciudad que me apartó para siempre de la ciudad donde nací, que me enamoró como me enamoro yo, con tanta dificultad, me hizo presa voluntaria y me tomó en sus brazos estrechamente como experto amante y me dio de beber cuando yo no sabía que tenía sed de tantas cosas. Esta ciudad que me hace entrega de esas imágenes radiantes que te cambian la vida de un instante a otro, un puente tembloroso que parece flotar en el aire, un monumento hecho de oro sin más, la estatua de una mujer que empuña una antorcha de luz y que además personifica la libertad, al menos en teoría. Esta ciudad que me regala no tanto el contacto humano como el contacto con la historia, una historia escrita a su manera, claro está, con mucho en el tintero, los nombres cambiados y los orígenes irreconocibles, fundada sobre una sarta de contradicciones que no siempre mentiras. Por un lado, vayamos al futuro y por otro permanezcamos en el pasado, donde todo se permite a primera vista, pero bajo estrictas reglas de comportamiento y donde se repiten tradiciones siglo tras siglo, sin que nadie se plantee jamás hacer las cosas de otra manera, salvo aquellos, claro está, que quieren cambiar no la ciudad, sino el mundo. En esta ciudad, paradójica y extravagante, agobiante y zarandeada, germen de ideas y pábulo de invenciones y que te arranca mucho más de lo que te entrega, es posible que alcances la plenitud, consigas llegar donde siempre te propusiste, seas quien siempre quisiste ser. Sí, es una posibilidad como otra cualquiera. Y entre tanto sueño por cumplirse, y las muchas ilusiones que adornan tu cabeza, 
Vivirás a diario la pesadilla de caminar a solas por sus frondosas plazas, sin que nadie te diga nada ni te mire. Es que soy transparente. Es que no existo. Es que no me quieres. Right, that was the Spanish version. My city. The city that saw me flourish from afar also grew within me in parallel with its streets, cutting through from one end to the other, all of it a dull grey like the stone of its buildings, but bright blue too, like its mailboxes. The city that drove me away forever from where I was born, the city with which I fell in love, in the same way I always fall in love, with the greatest of difficulties. It captured me of my own volition and took me tightly in its arms like an experienced lover. It soothed my thirst when I did not know that my thirst was then for so many things. The city that allows such radiant images for they can change your life from one minute to the next. A bridge trembling in the distant that seems to be floating in space a monument made of gold without further ado, the statue of a woman wielding a torchlight and typifying freedom, at least in theory. The city giving away all these gifts, not so much about human contact, but about interfacing with history itself, written its own way, of course, with so much left out. The names have been changed, and the origins are basically unrecognizable. Founded on a string of contradictions, though not necessarily fabrications. On the one hand, let's go to the future, and on the other, let's stay in the past. Where everything is seemingly permitted, but under strict rules of conduct, and where traditions are repeated century after century, without anyone thinking of doing things differently, except those, of course, who do not wish to change the city, but the world itself. In this paradox of a city, in this a city of extravagant ways, at times overbearing, occasionally unsteady, the seed of ideas and the firewood of creations, a city tearing away at your insides and taking so much more than it could ever give you. There, you may just be able to reach some kind of fulfillment and to get to where you always hoped to get and to be who you always wanted to be. Yes, it is a possibility like any other. And so... Among so many of your dreams that have yet to come true and the many hopes that embellish your mind, you will live through the daily nightmare of walking on your own along its luscious squares and walkways without anyone saying a thing to you, with no one even glancing in your direction. Is it that I am transparent? Is it that I do not exist? Is it that you do not love me? 
Thank you. And that was the, the English version, yeah. Lovely. Thank you very much. really appreciate that. Thank you. It's lovely to, to read something that is very inside me. Not all poems are sort of in your marrow, but some are. How long ago were you living in New York? It was over a summer, so a whole summer I was there. It wasn't a long time, but it was enough to blend and mix and get a few friends and, and, and so on, yeah. In fact, I was there just after 9-11, um, at the time, I was with a photographer, and he had an exhibition in New York, and they decided not to cancel it, and I was there. Mine was probably one of the first flights into New York after that terrible, terrible tragedy. And the last time I was there was uh, 2015, and that's when I took all the pictures that are in the book in Punto de Fuga, all the New York pictures. I'm a very amateurish photographer, so but I, I do use my photography and sometimes drawings to illustrate the books my, my books yeah wonderful now that i know that fact of the timing it gives a complete different perspective on the poem i wonder if that's something that was on your mind when you wrote this was there a specific reason you decided to write this poem well, it's to say that I'm absolutely in love with New York, but at the same time, there are so many hiccups there. There are so many things that aren't working. Okay. I just love the fact that I felt at home because of the Spanish, uh, so many Spanish speakers mm -hmm. everywhere, which is wonderful. It's, it enriches the city. Everyone enriches the city, every single New Yorker. But at the same time, it's like, you have the brakes on. You can't advance as much as you can. It has all the ingredients to be the most wonderful multicultural city. Mm -hmm. And yet you're having so many problems. At present, you're having so many problems in the States, yeah. which is just dreadful. And we are having them here as well. Yeah. There is a poem about 9-11, by the way, as mm -hmm. well. Uh, the memory, of course, of, because I, I wrote the book last year. Right. When I was there, it was a long time ago. Right, right. Because you were there for a few months right after 9-11. I wonder what... Um... No, I, sorry, yes. Uh, I was there. No, the first time I went there was for that exhibition. And then I went there, it was um, 2006, 2007. That's when I was there for an extended period of time. Oh, okay, okay. So then this poem came after the, the later stay in 2006. Is that right? That's it, yeah. But... It came later, but the book was sort of being concocted over time, but it's only last year that I finalized it. I put the photographs together. I wrote new stuff. At the front of the book, you know, there's a, a little note that says, it says it in Spanish. Algunos de los poemas de este libro son sobre Nueva York y otros fueron escritos en Nueva York. So some of the poems are about New York, but others were written in New York. Right. There's a long, very long love story, and that was written there in mm. New York. Yeah, several others, of course. Yeah. Right, right. And it's interesting when you write from memory mm -hmm. and when the events are not terribly fresh, there are several layers which add to it, add to the event. And memory can sometimes make you forget things, but sometimes it can add beautiful layers and embellishments to an experience and makes it so much more interesting, especially if one is writing poetry or prose or whatever, yeah. 
Yeah. In some ways, memory smooths out certain things. You always remember the last time you remember rather than the actual... Yes. This is a scientific thing. You, yeah. you don't remember the event. You remember the last time you, you were remembering it. And the following time, you remember that time and, and so on. So you are further and further apart from that image, mm-hmm. the uh, original image. And so we, we don't really know <laughs> whether it was true in the end after many years. Mm-hmm. Was it true? Was it how we told it? Right. And when you tell the stories, of course, we can't have, we're storytellers. We're born storytellers, all of us. It's mm-hmm. just that some put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. But, and, and when you tell a story, you recreate it and adorn it and fill it up with beautiful things. And, and that may not be necessarily exactly how it happened. But it's still a good story. That's the main thing. Yeah. That it's, good. it's a great story when you're telling it again and again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I found it interesting that basically this story arc of your poem, where you start out with the personal and you go into the observational and then you come back to the personal. I was wondering if it's something that you did deliberately. I like intermingling. It's like different camera work. You know, mm-hmm. it's you allow the poem to breathe and have different viewpoints. Yeah. But at the same time, you compare those viewpoints. This is my viewpoint, but what about the impersonal or the narrators, a sort of observer narrator? Um, mm-hmm. and, and you can contrast those things. And this poem, as you said, it, it, it starts off being personal, then it moves. And then in the end, because this is what happens in every big city, that you think you don't exist because sometimes you just go through the streets and you think people don't even see you. Ultimately, you're in love with this city, but the last question I ask in the poem is, do you love me? It says, is it that you do not love me? You know, this city that you absolutely adore, and yet you pass by and nobody knows you're there and nobody looks at you. And that city... Does it care about you? It's not only about the city. It's obviously about other people not caring in in large cities. We've lost that care that people used to have in smaller communities, sadly. Some people don't even know their neighbours. Some people have been in the street for ages and and they know nobody. Mm. And that would be unthinkable in in small towns or in villages or whatever. Right, right. So that's... You bring that out, but at the same time, in the middle of your poem, you bring out the other aspect of the same thing, the advantages to anonymity, right? Because of how large it is, because one can be anonymous in a large city, there is also freedom in that, in being who you are. Uh, And that's why many people from small towns come to larger cities because they feel like, because everybody knows who they are in the small town and they don't happen to agree on their ways of life, that, you know, it's much easier for them to be in a bigger city and to be as they are and not be restricted by everybody's more conform norms. Yes, absolutely. At the same time, it, it, things have to be done in a certain way. I, I talk about the, a paradox of a city. Right, right, uh, which is that, really that, interesting. That it, it tears away at your insides. Yeah. I always use the Spanish expression, te arranca, when I refer to London, and I used it in, in the Spanish version. It tears away at your insides. Mm-hmm. It gives you a lot, 
but it sometimes takes more than it gives you. And, and we have to be very vigilant because sometimes you sacrifice so much for the sake of living in a city, for the sake of living how city people live, that renounce some of your beliefs and some of your ways because it takes a lot. I'm not talking about great things. I'm talking about simple things, even using using the tube mm. or having to go to an office every day or having to bear up with all the inconveniences that, that <laughs> cities have and not living within nature so much. Right. Although you have a wonderful park in, in New York. It's massive. It's man-made, of course. Right. Um, and in the UK and in London, we have lots of parks and so on. But it's still... Sometimes it's hard, it's tough to live in a city and the countryside is, is becoming empty. Everyone's moving to the city. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, the cities are the, the engine that moves culture and art and science and, and, and so on. So you have to take the rough with, with the smooth, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I've lived in London as well. It has a similar feeling. And partly why I love London is that it is as cosmopolitan as New York. Yeah, I feel like there there is that difference. I would say that from American culture perspective, we like to harken back to our European history. And so I feel like New Yorkers or maybe America in general welcome your Europeans a bit more. Whereas in London you can feel sort of the old continental divide, or, you know, the, the old, almost harken back to hundreds of years of the warring fa- factions. And there is still some the sort of country versus country sort of mentality. So there is still that, that divide, which you don't see as much when you're in the U.S., because then it becomes more homogenized in the way that we deal with people yes. like we have a better acceptance of Europeans and European culture, whereas we're not as accepting of, let's say, Latin American culture or other immigrant cultures that are seen as more foreign, like uh, Middle Eastern cultures. So there, there's a subtle difference that I think for people who have not lived in both places, it's hard to define and hard to grasp. Yes, when I lived in New York over the months that I lived there, and every time I've gone there, there's an admiration to someone who's coming from Spain, uh, or from friends that I had that were French or, or Italian. Um, mm. They're in awe of, of, of us, and it was so nice and, and wonderful and welcoming. In the UK, as, as you mentioned, it, it's not like this. People will make comments. I won't go into it because we, we want to keep this lovely. But they do make comments, even even though I'm completely integrated. I'm, I, I've lived here as a child, as you can hear from my, my English. Um, I've, mm-hmm. I've lived here my life, and my cultural references are mostly British. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they somehow do not always like me. Some lovely people, of course, but some will make comments. And the country is divided, and, and we've seen it with Brexit. The country is divided right down the middle. Mm. Those who want to adhere to, to Europe continue being European and those who want to be away and insular in an island, away from from history and and geography and culture, really. So we're not going to talk about Brexit because that's, I think that's, well, whatever you say, but 
That's another story. Yeah, well, I, I don't think we have enough time to cover Brexit no, because... It would take a long time, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, but I, I think I do feel like the, the conversation surrounding Brexit is what's also bringing up even more in stark contrast between the mentality of Britain or the British, especially as they hearken back to the empire days um, or the dreams of the empire days. And... Well, they- Yes, but the empires, no empire has been nice, as we as we know. No, not a simple empire has been at the expense of yes. uh, ruining and destroying other cultures. And, uh, right, killing. right. But again, another tragic episode in our histories, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the part that people who dream about, who, who reminisce about these, uh, you know, so quote-unquote better days do not think about uh, because it's to their advantage not to think about it. I put a, a little um, something on, on Facebook um, saying that I was so upset when people voted for Brexit. I won't say who, but it's someone who's related to me, remotely related, said, oh, don't you worry, don't feel so depressed, everything will be fine. From now on, Europe won't be telling us what to do. We're all rejoicing that we're out of um, Europe and so on. You know, it's sort of dreadful message which I had to delete because all my all my friends were saying who's this person so I you know I I couldn't possibly be associated with the Brexit so I had to delete it <laughs> I don't think this person has forgiven me but um, never mind that's <laughs> another story yeah um, so that's what they think but it's you know Europe is not going to tell us what to do and, and we're all rejoicing up here yeah. So there we are. There we are. It's, it's yeah. difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. We have 3.3 million Europeans living here, contributing to the to the British culture. Mm-hmm. Well, making the city so much more fascinating than it is. Yes. And uh, you know, and we, we don't know what's going to happen to us. There, there are promises, but who knows? Who knows? Right. Right. Exactly. Maybe us to go back home. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that sense of insecurity is what my friends from the continent all were feeling when the Brexit vote went down. And it's a similar feeling here in the U.S., of course, when 2016 happened. And, and then you discover your friends who might not be as liberal as you think they were. <laughs> and it becomes very interesting. It's, it, it's a definite uh, dividing line. Going back to your poem, though, I wish we had more time to really dive into all the details of it. I think you probably saw in the poem I sent you, it's also a New York poem. It is a New York poem. I recognize it as New York poem. <laughs> yeah. It could only be a New York poem. I, it's it's in, the, in between the lines. You can breathe New York in everything, but you don't say it, but it is. <laughs> yes. I loved it. I loved the title. From the very start, you say, this is not an ode, and it's a statement of fact. This is what happened. This is how it was. And there's going to be nothing lyrical about what I'm going to tell you. There's basically nothing to celebrate. You are saying it from the word go. It's so clever. The title is brilliant. And then, and then, and then you go on to explain. I, I think this, it was great. I mean, and, and this is, this. did you write it in New York or was it afterwards? But go back to what you asked me. I wrote it in New York, actually. It was the poem that I wrote on my subway ride from the airport to where I was going. Yeah, it's, so. it's great. 
it, it's it do not expect a song about nicety. This <laughs> is a statement. This is the truth. This is how things are, and nothing more, and nothing less. And now listen, and then the tragedy unfolds. For me, it is it is a tragedy, but it tragedies don't have to be about great romance or death or whatever. Tragedies can happen in, in a nutshell, and this is a tragedy because so much, so many layers are unfolding in front of your eyes. Uh, an incident about a ticket, you 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 universalized it. You made it into an epic. Uh, it's amazing. The biting of the of the apple. Is there an element of paradise? <laughs> Born out of paradise. I mean, I, I, I could write a poem about your poem because it's so brilliant. <laughs> oh my God! Um, thank you so much. I, I, I feel my cheeks are tingling from turning red. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it starts small and ends up big, and they have the upper hand, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority. Definitely. <laughs> 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 Drama unfolding, on, you know, about a ticket, and, and then of course the again, it, 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 it sort of links with mine in the sense that you know the looming solitude that's going to happen you, you just announce it yeah, um, yeah and and the agents are doing their job and it's like it's the usual line some terrible people use i was just doing my job i yes. was just to make orders yes you know the terrible thing that we've heard in every major horrid episode in history yes um, just obeying orders well, yeah think, think. <laughs> yeah uh, so I'm going to read that now. So, um, I got carried away. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. That <laughs> I have not really shared this poem very widely just because of what's happened since. And I kind of feel guilty because New York was the epicenter of such unfortunate, um, you know, because of, of COVID. And so I felt guilty about writing it, but in, at the same time, it was very a, a very authentic feeling of what I had. So I'll yeah. read that, and then we can discuss it further. So yeah. um, as Isabel said, the name of the poem is called This Is Not an Ode. Before it even began, warning signs trickled in in the form of missed transportation, unwarranted dirty looks from agents, and sweet talkers hinting for me to linger. But the unrefundable ticket and my deprived palate beckoned to return for the good that remains. Yet, as we landed, more headaches became apparent, like the sim that refused to connect to this cosmopolitan network and the people who just wanted to shrink into their own business and I hear MTA agents' agitation in the terseness of their instructions spit out at the newly arrived with no inkling of the awaiting solitude amongst throngs of millions. They just want to take a bite out of this red gala, shiningly tempting, not aware of its price tag. Oh, it's fantastic. What a great epic. Thank you. What a great epic, yeah. It's very impressive. It, it's it's like a, a, a small situation. The majority of people would, would neglect it, wouldn't think about it, but you as a poet have taken it and converted it into a, a symbol of what is happening in a big city. Um, this huge commotion 
I mean, there's a whole, like a whole life story of heartbreak, that perhaps the calamity that awaits, you know, the, the, the person who's, you know, awaiting solitude amongst millions of people. It is a beautiful snapshot of a whole city and a sad, unfortunately, you know, the transportation system is, is, is always so emblematic of, of what's going on in, in the background. Mm, yeah. And it's very dramatic. <laughs> Thank you. Between, between the lines, but the few images that you launch are just spot on. And it gives you the idea of how the city works and weaves its ways and how the authorities <laughs> are controlling everything. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, Nobody cares about your particular flight. At, at least these people and the people that you, you come into contact the moment you, you know, get to the airport and so on. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're providing an inhumane instructions that you have to follow. You say, terseness of their instructions. What a great noun, terseness of their instructions. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Out, newly arrived. And that, that's, how, that's how it is. They spit them at you. They do, and and that's what I find with every system, right? Any any system you go into where people who are very familiar with the process of doing things are trying to instruct people who are absolutely unfamiliar with the same system, and the lack of empathy toward the people who are newly arrived to to try to understand that maybe they're not as familiar so what seems obvious to the MTA agents are completely foreign literally foreign to some of the people who arrive at this is like JFK Jamaica that station where you go into the subway and yeah. for, for me because I've traveled through JFK quite a few times and you know I grew up in New York so none of this is unfamiliar to me but just because uh, I've been away for a bit, I still need a little bit of time, reaction time, to sort of get back into the mode of being a New Yorker. And so it was really interesting, as I was trying to figure this thing out by myself, hearing the MTA agents do this to foreigners who are trying to spend their holiday. I mean, this is this is a few weeks before the shutdown, basically. So. Nice. I didn't even realize how the end of the poem could hearken back to the solitude of just being shut down as well. So when I wrote this, it was entirely in reaction to that, literally leaving where I was and going into New York, that experience. So it has a little bit of remembering, but a very recent remembering, as opposed to your poem where... You wrote it after you left New York already. So I, I just felt really bad for these people who are spending a large amount of money to holiday in New York because, you know, New York is not a cheap city. Um, yes, definitely not. <laughs> so, so for people, they just got off the plane. They're thinking, oh, my holidays, my vacation is about to begin. It's going to be relaxing or whatever they thought it was going to be. And then having to deal with these MTA agents who are just like, ah, I don't understand why you don't get the system. You know, like that, that sort of impatience with them. I just felt so bad. It's the, lack, it's the lack of empathy yeah. um, towards other human beings and, and, and they don't stop to think that this person may not be familiar or may need a little help and so on. 
I think sometimes when people wear uniforms or they have a cap that shows their authority, they they behave differently. Perhaps in their house with their family, they're completely normal. <laughs> but the moment they're doing a, a job or performing, I would say, performing a job, mm. they lose their humanity. I've seen it in London. I've had friends who mentioned this. Mm. You know, not only in public transport, but in, in, even in, in shops or in other places, you know, the impatience that we have. Mm. So it's the lack of empathy and, and humanity, I would call Yeah. You've, you've expressed it. And it's, it you've gone from the, the particular to the universal. And in, in my poem, you could say you've gone more from the universal to the particular or the personal mm. and the private. You are speaking for so many people, even though it's 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 a small scene in a film. It's just a tiny scene, but it speaks for all of us, really. Oh, thank it's, you. It's a lovely, it's a lovely. Enjoyed it enormously. Thank you, thank you. Right. I I really appreciate that. I I love uh, when I was reading your poem. You see it from exploring New York in some ways a more touristy a point of view from you know just not seeing all these things and then suddenly seeing it. Like you talk about the gold statue, which I'm thinking is downtown, right? Because there is this it's Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah. Oh, okay. oh, Prometheus. Statue of Prometheus in uh, the Lincoln Center. So oh, oh, that one. I love, I love that statue. It's in a terrible place because it's surrounded by buildings and there are so many people there, but it's just a glorious. Yeah, it's a place where I do not linger often as a New Yorker, even though I'm probably not as familiar as you are with the statue because it's just so touristy. It's so full of people. I love cities for the cornucopia of offerings they have, but I do not love the crowds. So I try to avoid those touristy places as much as possible. That's why I'm not as familiar with the Prometheus statue, although I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yes, I beg your pardon to interrupt. It's not in, in, in the link. Not link I got it completely wrong. It's in the Rockefeller. Yes. It's not the Rockefeller. Yes. Uh, yeah. When you were talking about that, because when I was reading through your poem, I basically was visually sort of scanning New York to to match up what you know which which places you were talking about, and I had thought maybe you meant there's a gold statue that's near the courthouse downtown near Wall Street that's on top of some kind of government building, but on the very top of it there's this gorgeous gold. Female statue. I think it's the building, of the office of commerce or something. So I, I had thought you talked about that. And when you were talking about the bridge, I was thinking, which bridge is she talking about? Is it the Williamsburg? It sounds like it was the Williamsburg. But what do you know? Which? Brooklyn. Oh, it's the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, yeah. I love with the passion. It and is gorgeous. Time, I looked at it. It was floating. It wasn't there. It was just the lights were. It, it was just nothing was sustaining it. Mm. It's a little mist. Depends, of course, the time of year. But I can't remember the, the female. You might have missed it. It's not easy to catch because if if you're living there for the first time, even for a few months, you know, unless there's just so much to see in New York, as you describe in your poem, and you got across, there's just so much, and it's inundating. Yeah. But there are statues. There's a female statue in uh, Central Park, isn't there? 
Several, I think. Several. Central Park has... Uh, yeah, I, I think most people have not seen the uh, entirety of Central Park because it's different parts of the park, completely different feel. Again, some, some parts of the park makes you feel like you're in a forest somewhere. Uh, that's completely outside of New York. And then there's the south side of the park where you still, because of all the looming buildings, you still feel like you're part of New York City. But there are other parts where you're just like, am I still in New York? Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's amazing. You've got like several ambience, several settings within New York. It's incredible for a park that's man made. Yes. Yeah, that one was, was Prometheus, and of course, the holding a torch and representing freedom, at least in theory, that's, there's a little veiled comment there. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> Theoretically, we, we can all be great. It's just a few sort of brushstrokes about New York. I didn't include a lot, but just, just a, a few. Yeah, there's so much. I would live there, yes. If, you offered, if somebody offered me a job, I'd go there immediately. Especially for creative, you just create the moment you're around, you create. I've traveled quite a bit and, and live in different places, and I do feel like there are places where you land and you just feel like, this is my place, this is the place that I've been searching for. I can feel that New York is that place for you. It is, definitely. I tried to get a job there, but it didn't, it didn't work out within the UN system then. And it didn't work out, and then family reasons and life and all sorts of other things. So one shouldn't complain. But uh, you can't stop thinking of what it could have been, how it could have been. And if one doesn't live through that experience, one can always write about that experience. Make it up. You know, what could have happened? I, this is a, one of the books that I'm planning to write. Mm. If I'd stayed in New York, what right. would have happened? In any case, I've got this book, which is in Spanish. The vanishing point mm-hmm. is the next best thing. <laughs> <laughs> Not living there, but sort of reminiscing about the city until I write something else, until I write something longer, hopefully. Right, right. Perhaps a, sh- a short story or, or a novella or something. Yeah. Right, right. We'll we'll Giving your living situation, it might be possible now after the pandemic for you to come and live in New York again? Uh, it would be very difficult. It would be very, uh, uh, first of all, I, I think this pandemic is here to stay. Mm. I don't think this is ever going to go. It will come and go. There will be the second wave, the third wave, the 250th wave. Mm. I, I see it very catastrophically, but also it's my family. I have family here. Ah, oh, that's right. Uh, it's, it's difficult. Also, I would be far away from Spain. I have family in Spain, so to go to Spain from the U.S. is, is complicated. It's not straightforward. And now I can get on a plane and in an hour and a half or whatever. I'm, I'm in Madrid, which is my city where I have a close family. Right. So I think it's a dream. You know, so some things, we have to come to terms with, with the fact that some things are dreams and mm. it will never happen. But, mm. you know, I've come to terms with that. It will, it will be a dream. Mm. Mm. Living in New York and uh, writing there, that would be, my God, yeah. Right in yeah. New York. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that I write in two languages, this is the thing, that I write in two languages, and, and that is not much liked in this country. In this country, you have to be faithful 100% to English. 
in America, so many writers, so many Latinx writers are using both languages. And it's amazing because multilingualism is the future. Multiculturalism is the future. Mm. And from that point of view, I, I would blend in so much better. I mean, I, I send stuff to American magazines sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be have to remain in the, in the realm of, of the dream. I don't see it happening. Mm. Also, one is not 18 anymore. One is <laughs> quite <bad. laughs> Advanced years. So, um, I don't know. But you never know. Never say never. You right. never know what, what can happen. Yeah, so many things can happen. I had a one of my nieces uh, went to America, and, and now she's a musician there. She's established. Oh, wow. She's a great musician. Wonderful. Um, fantastic. No one was expecting that, but... <laughs> So it could happen, but thank you for your for wishing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you said, you never know, especially given what we're experiencing right now is just so unprecedented that you just never know what's going to happen one moment to the next, you know. Our lives have changed dramatically. Oh, yeah. I've been locked up at home for 100 days. I, I, I wrote a poem um, uh, and sent it to somewhere mm. on, on the fact that I've been locked up here. Uh, and then I've written the other book, and, and now I'm planning on another book. So, you know, I wasn't expecting for my life or my literary life to take this route, but it has. Mm-hmm. And uh, who can say perhaps it's a better life than the one that, the one that I would have otherwise lived? We, we, we don't we don't know. Right. And so, a, a writer's life is more important than the right than the life, the human, the human life. Uh, <laughs> Not other people, of course, but one, one's own life. So right. this is good for my writing, then. Great. <laughs> she likes it. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. There are definitely uh, some advantages for those of us who are not adversely, uh, you know, health-wise affected by it. So, um, my goodness, yes, I'm, I'm grateful to, to the universe for, for that. We haven't been badly affected by, by this or any really, well, uh, the, uh, very far away relative unfortunately died mm, I'm sorry far away, sadly yeah um, but we have to be that's good that's good yeah it's it's difficult to see how anyone could remain unaffected given how much is still going on on that happy note <laughs> I was wondering, yeah, awkward transitions. I was wondering if you can tell us, given this new life that we're all leading, if you are reading anywhere virtually, also how people can follow you online. Well, I'm on social media. Mm -hmm. I haven't been as studious as I normally am on social media for obvious reasons. But mm-hmm. I'm on social media, uh, on Twitter, uh, at Isabel Del Rio. I'm on, very active, actually, on Instagram, at Isabel DRS. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an amateur photographer, as I said, so I take, I, 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 I'm doing a series of pictures that is called Seeds from My Previous Life, because I don't have a life now, <laughs> I decide that. So, um, I've, because I've taken videos of pictures, millions of years, I'm including those pictures in my portfolio in Instagram. Okay. And then I'm, uh, I'm on Facebook, Isabel Del Rio Salvador, with dots in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you 
have access to all this on my website. So if you go to my website, www.isabeldelrio.com, click on that, and it's got stories. You don't have to buy the books. Unfortunately, I'm losing money on this, but I've included a few stories there, mm-hmm. both in English and Spanish, and poems, and excerpts from the Dolorem Ipsum, um, mm-hmm. the section called uh, flatliners, because mm. it's all very dramatic, unfortunately. <laughs> so it's just like aphorisms, short, very short poems. They're actually one line. Mm. It's one after the other as a block. Right. And, and so you find things about me if you're, if you're interested. A bit of my CV there as well, qualifications, experience. And so it's, it's all there. That's Great. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for your time. I, I really appreciate us uh, having this chat about our respective poems and and our views about New York <laughs> together. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, th- thank you very much for inviting me on your amazing program and, and also for sharing with me this poem, which I absolutely love, and I was able to comment on it, and it's a very exciting Great. piece of work, uh, Imogen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. As always, you can find us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.